Good morning. My name is Pastor Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at Home Church. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us online. Those of you that are here for the first time, I know I saw some faces I haven't seen before. Thank you so much for coming and checking us out. Welcome home to Home Church. We hope that you'll become a homie one day. Do have a few announcements real quick, some very exciting things that are happening in our church. The very first one is Parents' Night Out is this Friday. How many of you are parents? Let me see your hands of children. And how many of you need some time to yourself or maybe husbands, you should take your beautiful wives out on a date. If that's you, then this is one way we as a church can serve you. And that is to watch your children for a couple of hours as you take some time to either date your spouse or have some much needed time to yourselves. Uh, registration is open until Tuesday. So go to homechurchok.com and register under the events tab for Parents Night Out. Uh, the next thing is Trunk or Treat. That's happening next month. Man, I am so excited about this. This is our one big event that we do to serve our community by handing out candy and just loving people like Jesus. If you would like to register your car trunk to help us out, you can do that by going to our website and registering, but also the real big thing we need is lots and lots and lots and lots of candy. And you will find some boxes out there that are cute looking little boxes that we would love to have you put your candy in there as you come to church on Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whenever you come. Uh, we need your candy. Can we do that? All right, awesome, awesome. And last but certainly not least, Three Saturdays from now, Pastor Dave from Scotland will be here to minister to us. Yes. He is super excited and so am I. He's going to be preaching to the youth on that Wednesday, then on Saturday morning. Yes, he'll be here. Then on Saturday from, from 10 o'clock to 1 p.m. on Saturday, he'll be here to minister to us again. We're going to be providing you free food. All right, so that's in some incentive, right? get some free food, but also we'll have kids ministry so you can check your kids in at that time. Um, this is a great opportunity to come worship Jesus with Pastor Dave and hear from him, be able to ask him some questions, that kind of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. The one thing I ask you to do is to go and register. We've had about 60 people register already. That's awesome. That's about half the church. Need the other half too. All right, so clear your calendars for that Saturday, October the 8th register so we know how many children are going to be here, but we also know how many people will be here so we can feed everybody. Does that sound awesome? All right. Thank you so much for doing that. The next two weeks, it's going to be all about God and all about people. And this next series is very short, but I believe it will be very powerful. And I don't know how to say this, but this has been on my heart for months, this series. And, and I really believe that if you receive this, and if you take it to heart, and you actually move forward with the things that we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks, this whole revival thing we're talking about, right? That our church is going to be positioned for that in this community. I firmly believe it. So this is driving me, driving me hard. And I have been sweating it out, praying it out, almost blood coming out in sweat, not quite. 
but this has really been on me. And, and I almost want to call it like kind, of, like kind of like a revision of home church, but I want to be careful because I know there's some new people here too. This is not just about home church. This is about the church capital C. Like if we can't get these two things right about God and people, then we really should have no business being a church. We shouldn't. And I think, I think some churches, I think we get caught up in, in the minutia. We get caught up in all the bells and whistles. We're really what God wants is just our hearts. What God wants is for us to love him with everything we have and love people just as much. That's what he wants. And so what I want people to know about home church is that we are a church that's all about God and all about people. So how many of you in here are note takers? Let me see your hands. Wow. And for those of you that are not, there's pens in the front pocket right there in front of you in the chair. Grab a pen. And you know what? You can even write in your Bible. It's okay to write in your Bibles if you have a Bible with you today. So why is it that we have to be all about God and all about people? It's because Jesus said so. That's why. Like, if there is one person that I am going to write down everything he says and do what he says, it's Jesus. Amen? It's him. So beginning in verse 34, Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read out of the message version today, all the verses that I'm going to read. So when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. And one of their religion scholars spoke for them posing a question they hoped would show him up. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? And let me tell you something, you don't want to test Jesus. Especially if you're religious, amen? Because here, here they go, they're trying to trip him up. And this is what he said. He basically summed up all the commandments. Not just the 10 commandments, but all 631. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. I love this translation. Everything you are, passion, prayer, intelligence, love God. This is the most important, the first on any list, but there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you have loved yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. Man, this is simple, right? This is so simple. What he's saying is just love God and love people with everything you have, right? We complicate the Bible so much, don't we? I mean, we got to have all these processes and, and things to do, and we got to do worship this way. You got to preach the word this way. You got to pray this way. You got to serve the poor this way. It's like we try to complicate it so much. That's what religion does. That's what it does. Even to the point of how do we get saved? How do I know that my ticket is punched to heaven? How do I know that God loves me? and that he saves me. We've even complicated that. And see, the gospel is so simple. The Bible says, call in the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Believe in him and you will be saved. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he has risen from the dead and you shall be saved. It's easy, faith, right? 
Well, then we go on to this, uh, how do we do church? Like, like, how do we do ministry? How do we reach people? What is the purpose of my life? And Jesus sums it up powerfully with just these simple two phrases. Love God with everything you have and love people the same way. That's it. Church, can we do that? Can we do that? We have to do that. Those are the minimum requirements if we want to see God move both in our lives personally, but also in our lives corporately as the church. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everybody that's here this morning. Thank you for giving me the words that you want me to speak. Father, I just ask that it comes out the way that you intend it to. And I ask that people as they're listening, that the Holy Spirit just hammers their heart in a powerful way today and that they receive what is being said. Father, this is not about self-help. This is not about what you can do for me today. This is about us refocusing our hearts on you completely so that we can see your kingdom expand. And Father, I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, one day when I was uh, with Pastor Dave in Scotland a couple weeks ago, he was going to go pick up his son, Max. And Max is this, this 15, 16-year-old boy who uh, goes to college in downtown Glasgow. So every morning he gets up at 6 in the morning, takes a bus, goes to college in downtown Glasgow, and then takes a bus home. And, and this, this night, he actually asked if his dad could come pick him up. And I remember we went to go pick him up, and on the way, driving in, in Dave's classic Ford Cortina um, on the left side of the road all the way over there, um, we were listening to his favorite music. So he had a Spotify playlist that he was listening to. And uh, I absolutely just loved it. We were just kind of sharing our favorite music. He's a big Michael Jackson fan, just so you know. Um, and he was singing all Michael Jackson's tunes on the way over. It was kind of fun to listen to him. He, he is not ashamed, trust me. Uh, he's a great singer, too. So we picked up Max, and it was great. We were sitting in the front there at the main entrance of this, this city college in Glasgow, and so all these young adults and kids were hanging out, and he had his windows rolled down and just blaring Michael Jackson, and, and it was just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> so his, his son Max gets in the car, and we peel off, and we're driving back, and I think, I don't know why, but just, just stuck in my head, and I think just kind of plays into what I want to say today. His favorite song is Frank Sinatra, my way. And he's just belting out, my way. I did it my way. I mean, it was just, I'm like just sitting there kind of uncomfortably over in the left seat, you know, when I should really be on the right seat, but I'm in the left seat. And I'm looking over and he's just belting it out as we're going through these curves, heading back uh, to his home. And church, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of us if we sing it. If, if we hear those words, as Frank Sinatra is saying, that, it, that the end is here, and, and I can look back on my life, and I can say that I have done it my way. And I think that's what we want God to do. We want him to do our life, our way. Like we have our plans, right? We have the things that we want. We want it our way. Look, even to the point 
Will you come into this do- in these doors of this church? And listen, we all want it our way. We want worship to be a certain way. We want everything to go our way. The church in America, I believe, is conditioned that way, right? And even here in Tulsa, we have a church like every couple of, of blocks, every, well, we have like several churches in a mile, right? Like, so if I don't, if I go in this church and it's not done my way, well, then I'll go over to this church and maybe it'll do it my way. Or I'll go down the street to another church, maybe it's done my way. Man, if you're here, welcome home, stay planted. Stay planted here. Man, grow with us. Watch what God does through us. And see, I believe that we are on a crossroads. Not just home church, but the church. We're at a crossroads. And those crossroads is is where we can make a decision. And I believe right here, right now, as home church, we can make a decision. Whether we go my way, or we stand here and we look and do it God's way. And that's what this next two weeks is all about. There's a reason why God gave the commandments. There's a reason why God has the Bible for us. The reason why Jesus said to the devil that it is written. It's everything that we live and die by is in this book called the Bible. Everything. But see, Jesus sums it up. He says, just love me with everything you have and love people. That's his way. That is the decision that we need to make. Like, when I come into these doors from now on, what I want to do is instead of worrying about the music and worrying about what's being sung, is whatever is flashing up on that screen, I'm going to sing my heart out to Jesus. I'm just going to throw my hands and throw my head back, and I'm just going to praise him. My aim is to come here and worship. That's his way. That's his way. And so we're getting to that point, I think, where God is saying, church, make a decision. We're in this last season of the church age. And if you don't see it, then you're blind. It ain't about my way anymore. And see, even me as a pastor, man, we'll sit down in meetings with the staff and I'll be like, nope, I want it this way. I want it that way. I want it this way. I want it that way. I mean, we're all guilty of it, right? We are. And what Jesus is saying today is, I don't want it to be your way anymore. I want you to do it my way. So here we go. Where did Jesus get this whole love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you all want to turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where we're going to live in for today. So Moses is addressing the children of Israel. And to set this up before he even gets to chapter 6, excuse me, he is basically giving out the commandments. He's reminding the children of Israel, this is all the things that you have to obey. This is everything that you have to follow. And you want to know something? If I was a children or a child there, I'd be taking notes, man, on my papyrus and whatever else, and I'd be writing it out. Because here's the list, man. Ten things. Okay, boom, 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 boom. I got it. Going to do it. You got it, man. 
And the thing is, the children of Israel are on the edge of heaven, literally, because now they're about to enter the promised land. And can you imagine watching your parents roam around the wilderness? And now, because you're the children of Israel, you're not your parents, you've been given the opportunity now to enter the promised land. And Moses is basically reading the law. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. Don't forget this. Don't forget that. It's like, you do these things, it's going to go awesome for you as you go into the promised land. And, oh, by the way, I'm sorry that us, your parents, messed up. Because they did. If you can imagine seeing your mom and dad complain, that's all they did was complain. That's all they did was when the spies came back and said, we can't take this. But two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, oh, yeah, we can. Well, those ten is who they listened to. No faith. Not really a good witness for these kids, right? So Moses is making sure that they're set up for success. Obey all these commandments. But then he gets to chapter 6 and verse 1. And if you have an ESV translation, you'll see a little subheading that says, The Greatest Commandment. The Greatest Commandment. He said this, this is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land you're about to cross into to possess. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God lifelong, observing all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you, you and your children and your grandchildren living good lives. This is the commandment. Like, what he's saying is, I've just given you this long sermon, but if there's one thing that you can take away, one thing before you enter the promised land, it's this commandment that I'm about to read off to you. So, I would like to say this, as long as I am pastor, I don't know how long it'll be. I'll be here as long as God wants me to be. But out of all the sermons, out of everything that I have preached from this pulpit, this one thing is what I want you to remember. This one thing is what I want you to remember that this is what home church is all about. Because we stand, I believe, on the edge of the promised land. I know we've said, well, since our move from one location to where we are now, right here in this building, on this area where the city is pouring all of its resources in to to make to where it's going to be an awesome uh, area, here we are. I know we've said before, this is the promised land. I'm going to tell you, we're not conquering it yet. But as we're on the edge and about to cross into it, to take it, this is the one thing that we need to remember. Are you with me? He goes on to verse 3. He says, Listen obediently, Israel. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, just as God promised, in a land abounding in milk and honey. Prosperity. Man, if we do this, prosperity's coming. And I am not talking about the prosperity gospel. 
I don't agree with the prosperity gospel. The prosperity that Moses is talking about here, the milk and honey, the overflowing, the abundance of God's blessing. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about just God moving in powerful ways in our lives individually and as a church. That's the land overflowing with milk and honey. Because when the children of Israel move into the promised land, man, they're going to see God just use them to smite armies, to do the impossible, to conquer cities, to be provided for. This promise, if we can do this one thing, means that heaven's gates is going to open up above us and just God's blessing pour out upon us. Do I believe he'll bless you financially? Sure. Do I believe he'll bless you on your job, bless you in your families, bless you in your marriages, bless you in your relationships? Absolutely. But the Bible says to set our minds on things that are above. Those are the things that I want to see come down here. Those are the things that I want to see in operation here. Man, seeing Eric give this word as emotionally as he did, it means God is moving. There's somebody in here right now that's going to walk out of here delivered. I believe that because of that. That's what I'm talking about. The tongue and interpretation we experienced today, God saying, I'm here, I'm here. How many of us need to know that God is here? I need to know. I, I know he is, but to know that I know that he is. And to know that revival is here. Man, those are the kind of things I'm saying. That's the promised land. That is the land overflowing with milk and honey. So if we do this one thing, this one thing, and we teach our children and our children's children, that we write these, this thing on our heart, then it's going to go well for us. So he continues in verse 4. He says, Moses says, attention Israel. He said, God, our God, God, the one and only. So before I tell you this one thing, we got to set the table. We got to get this right, that God is one. Can I get an amen on that? God is one. He is the big cheese. He is the world's best boss. He is numero uno. He's what Ricky Bobby said in Talladega Nights, if you ain't first, you're last. Because he is one, everything else is last. I think I've even said this, I know I've heard it preached, about how we can get so distracted in this world that we, we don't make God number one. Like, I can binge watch Netflix I can play video games all day. I could do all these things that distract me from God, and I, and I need to make him number one. I need to stop that stuff and make him number one. You know what I'm going to say to that? That's bunk. He is already number one. Doesn't matter what we're doing. Doesn't matter how much we're focused on other things. He's already number one. 
The question is, is your heart turned to him? Are you making him your first love? He's number one, but is he your first love? I can't make him number one in my life. He's already number one. Whether I want to acknowledge it or not, the question is, do you want to acknowledge it and allow him to be your first love? So now that we got that, God, being the big cheese, the world's best boss, the one true God, the only God, the one that everybody in this world is offended by. Man, I could tell you right now, if somebody were to ask me, how do you know that God is the only one true God? Well, because everybody seems to be offended by him. That's a good indication. And Jesus said something about like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, the life. Uh, That narrow is the way. Narrow is the way to salvation and broad is the way to destruction. And I've said this before, but I love being called narrow-minded. Yes, us as Christians are narrow-minded because Jesus said narrow is the way. Okay, I'm getting way off. So we've established that God is number one. The question is, is he number one in your heart? So here's the big thing. Here's what Moses is trying to say. Here's the one thing, children of Israel, before you go into the promised land, if there is one thing you remember, church, home church, as we're moving forward into what God has for us, this is the one thing I want you to remember. If there's anything you remember from everything I've ever preached from this pulpit, this is it. Love God. Your God. With your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Let it sit there for a minute. Are we loving him with everything we've got? Listen, I've had to ask myself that question. As I'm looking at our church And I'm looking at the things that we need to fine-tune. And he brought this to my attention. And I'm praying and meditating on this. Then guess who gets convicted? (laughs) Me. Self-examination sometimes can be a very humbling thing, especially when the Holy Spirit's like pounding you, right? The question is going out to you as well. Are you loving God with everything you are? And the hard thing for me is, since I am a list guy, right? Like, even the rich young ruler, remember that story when he came to Jesus and said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, are you obeying these commandments? Yeah, since I've been born, I've been, bearing, I've been, I've been obeying those commandments. Okay, well, now go and sell everything you have. And he couldn't do that. And what Jesus was asking him was, I want you to transfer your love for your stuff and love me instead. 
Are we loving God with everything we are? You know, I've been struggling, struggling with whether or not to call this Home Church's new vision. Because I think sometimes when pastors give a vision, number one, it's usually at the beginning of the year, right? We are in September. And usually it's, we've got to do X, Y, and Z. You know, God called us to be a church for the community. And how we're going to do that is we're going to uh, pick trash up on the first Saturday of every month, do events like Trunk or Treat. We have these things that, that we think needs to fulfill this vision. And, and as I'm talking about this being the most important thing that we have got to get in our hearts as a church, there is no list. There's no list. This is meant to hang there and allow us to self-examine ourselves. And we can answer that question. Am I loving God with everything I have? Oh, it is quiet in here. Why is this so important? Well, it is written for one thing, right? But Moses said it to the children of Israel before they entered the promised land. Jesus said it to his, Pastor Elijah likes to call them, the religious nerds. And now I feel like very heavy that he's telling me to say it to you and not that I'm trying to compare myself to Moses or Jesus, all right? But he is saying this is numero uno for the church today, that we need to love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with everything that we are. So how do we do this? I, I don't know how to quantify this for you. You can examine yourself and you can see the places where this is first before God and I need to make that switch. And what is it? What is it for you? We're going to worship here again in a few minutes. And that is what I want you to do while you worship God with everything you are is to think about that. What is it in my life that is number one over God? And I need to make that switch. Because that will translate into what happens here. It will. That will translate in what happens when you're in the workplace in really what it is, the ministry field that God has called you to. That switch is what's going to make a difference for eternity. So how? Here's something to think about. I'm going to give five things to think about because this is what God laid on my heart. When you come to church, what is the first reason for why you come to church? Is your heart saying, I need God to meet my needs? Or is it saying, because I want to worship him with everything that I have? When you get paid and the money comes in, what's the first thing on your heart? I'm going to give into God's kingdom or I'm going to spend it on Amazon.com. When you wake up, what is the first thought that comes to your mind? 
Is it, thank you, Jesus, I'm alive today to do your will? Or is it, boy, my day's kind of crummy and I don't know what I'm going to do about it? When we have free time, what is your first indulgence? I'm going to get on social media. Let me tell you something. There is so much distraction on social media. You got everything, Facebook, Instagram, Be Real, you name it. There is so much out there. But we have free time. That's the first thing we go to. What is your first indulgence when you have free time? Is it spend time with Jesus? Even if you just give him a few minutes, you make him first. Nobody says you can't do those things. But is he the first one that gets you, that gets your time, that gets you when you have that free time? When you go to work or go to school, what is the first motivation for doing that? Is it because I want to do everything as unto the Lord? Or is it so I can just pull a paycheck? And there's this thing going on right now called quiet quitting. Have you ever heard of that? where you're just doing the minimum just so you get paid. What is your motivation for going to school and for going to work? The key word in all of this is first. God is already number one, but is he first in my heart? Am I loving him with everything that I have? And so as I meditated on first, I'm giving him my first in everything that I do. It's going to be different for all of us. That's why there's no list here. You've got to do this, 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 and this. It's a hard issue. Am I giving him my first? And what I was pointed to was this. This is Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And man, let me tell you something. Whenever I turn to Revelation and whenever I ask you all to turn to Revelation... You kind of get the chills, don't you? Uh-oh. What's going to happen? Because Revelation, there's some awesome things in there, and there's some things in there you're like, yeah, I'm kind of glad I'm not going to be on the receiving end of that. Amen? So Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus. And I believe this is a word for the church, capital C. And this is what he said. He said, I see what you've done. Your hard work. Hard work. Your refusal to quit. Dude, so far I'm digging this, right? Jesus is seeing my work. The fact that I am unwilling to quit. The fact that I see a lot of the faces that are in this room right now, and you have been through a lot of stuff, yet you refuse to quit. Man, praise God for that. He said, I know you can't stomach evil, that you weed out apostolistic pretenders. I know your persistence, your courage in my cause, that you never wear out. And this is awesome too, right? Like, we don't want the religious people we just want people that are sold out for Jesus and that loves people. 
not judging and condemning. No, we're staying the cause. We're still moving forward. We're not quitting. But here comes the but. And sometimes I like the buts when Jesus says them, and other times I really don't because they're very convicting, right? This is what he said. But you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall. Turn back. Recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. Those, my friends, are some sobering words. You know, the one thing that, that I've mentioned to you all is in my early life when I was a kid, I was bullied all through school. And so my, my defense mechanism to counter that was to perform, was to do everything I could to, to show my worth and my value to others. And even that didn't work. But at least in my mind, I knew that I had checked all these boxes in performance. I had done all these things, accomplishments and all that good stuff. And when I met Jesus and he met me, that slowly, and it took a long time, and I feel like I'm still working on it, that slowly has chipped away at that performance mentality. Because what God is saying is, that's not what's important. That's awesome that you're still here That's awesome that you're still going to church. That's awesome that you're still praying for people. But what I want is your first love. I want to be first in everything you do. This is where we are today, the crossroads. God can be either me, myself, and I, or it could be completely sold out for Jesus. We as a church are standing on the edge and we're about to move forward in some great things that God has for us. Now, I wouldn't be your pastor if I didn't believe that. And I know this is heavy. And next week it'll be a little lighter, maybe, because we're going to focus on loving each other. But first things first, one thing to take away, one thing to remember, one thing to ask yourself as you're self-examining yourself is, am I loving God with everything that I am? Is he my first love in everything that I do? So here's the big idea. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Love God with everything we are means we love God first before everything else. And for every one of us, that's gonna look a little bit different 
That's why God uniquely created each and every one of us. So where is that for you?